What's up, geeks, and welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast. You're joining us for another episode of our Watch Club series as we take a look at Season 2 of The Mandalorian. All right, so we are picking up our conversation talking about the latest episode to hit uh, Disney Plus for season two of The Mandalorian, this one entitled Chapter 13, The Jedi. Uh, Yeah, this episode is full of revelations. Um, And just to give you guys a quick little synopsis here, The Mandalorian travels to a world ruled by a ruthless magistrate who has made a powerful enemy. Um, But before we get into the episode, I guess you guys are wondering, who do I have with me? Well, I have my usual geeky crew to, uh, I guess, the top of my screen. We have the Navarro num num himself, Nate Shelton. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I could totally go for some Navarro num nums. Are you kidding me? Let's go. And at the bottom of my screen, I have the Kashikian wonder himself, Kevin Hudson. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was actually really good. That sounded like a Wookiee underwater, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Drowning Wookiee. <laughs> Drowning um, Wookiee. Okay, so, but wait a minute. I'm, I'm confused. So in this episode, he goes to a planet, does something, and then leaves? <laughs> Kevin, don't you even dare start. Don't you even dare start getting upset about this episode. Come on. <laughs> Um, this episode is going to contain spoilers. This episode is filled with spoilers. If you have not seen this episode, do check it out before you listen to this podcast because we are about to spoil a whole lot and get into some deep, deep, deep Star Wars talk uh, about where everything's going. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's get right into it, guys. As we always do, uh, let's let's start with our high-level thoughts on uh, what we thought of this episode. Did did we like it, Kev? Let's start with you. What did you think? Oh, yeah, I thought it was good. It was fine. <laughs> more of this, kind of more of the same, but uh, I don't know. It was it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I cool. mean, the, the the Ahsoka stuff was really cool, but uh, the the bad guy didn't really like didn't pack much of a punch. Mm. Oh, the you know, magistrate? There was a, yeah. yeah, the magistrate yeah. was kind of, she was kind of weak, I thought, but. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, Nate, yourself. I, uh, I gotta say, this is, this was phenomenal. This episode was so good. This episode had everything I wanted from Star Wars uh, in general, and I think it did a really good job at, uh, you know, kind of focusing and, and giving us the best parts of, I think, our three main characters of the episode. And I, I honestly didn't mind uh, the magistrate. I thought she actually did a pretty cool job and we can kind of talk about that a little bit later, but no. Um, yeah. This episode was incredible. Uh, and it's definitely my favorite one of this season. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I think it's one of my favorites of the season for sure. Uh, to Kevin's point as well, though, it is, it is more or less the same. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really uh, steer too far from what it, what it is in terms of mission on the planet, so on and so forth. But the amount of, story rele- revelations that we get out of this are, are really great and and also you know it makes you wonder how much you know seeing ahsoka how how much she's going to be involved in this series and if this what if this episode was really just more of a, a sort of a, a backdoor pilot just a way to kind of introduce this idea that there could be another show uh i think it absolutely was yeah, yeah. i i think that, i think a lot of fans kind of read into it that way because they don't really see that you know 
this show kind of having it has a lot of room obviously in it and it's a galaxy far far away but i don't know if if it's going to start shifting towards an ahsoka story or if ahsoka is just going to get her own story right so anyways let's get right into it like this episode uh much like the the other episodes that we've we've discussed had a killer badass opening that really set the tone and this is actually where we we see ahsoka for the first time uh mowing down some mercenaries um ahsoka is on the planet corvus uh and she is in near kind of like a, I guess like you would call it like a village I guess like a a village called uh, uh, Kaladin mm-hmm. and uh, she's outside the gates of Kaladin where she's taken down these these mercenaries and chasing them down and this is where we see her for the first time and we also see uh, the magistrate who we've referenced already um, and we learn that there's this dynamic between the two of them obviously where they're sort of aware of each other while one is more aware of the other and Ahsoka's out to get something from her um but what do you think like did you do you how do you think they handled this like introducing her in this this introduction of this episode were you expecting maybe a little bit more of um a lead-in or were you surprised at how just like she was there okay let's start with you yeah, I thought I thought I thought it was an interesting way to do it. Like there was very little setup. It was just like here she is, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of liked. You know, why beat around the bush? We knew it was we knew it was coming, and so I thought it was a good plan. Yeah, I think Nate mentioned it as well. It's like you know just how casual Bo Katan was when she was like, "Yeah, you'll go to the planet Corvus and and find Ahsoka Tano." They didn't have to do any sort of like reveal for her. She was there, but in a way, it was it was almost a, a really cool reveal, right? And mm. I think you know I love the pacing, and and you're absolutely right, like Kevin, like why beat around the bush? We you know we knew the episode was going to be directed by. Um, Dave Filoni and had given his connection to Ahsoka, creating the character with George. Um, yeah, I loved it, man. I I loved just how they how she used the fog to kind of you know hide constantly and and you know open up her blades and close her blades and I just thought it was such a really like powerful like just punch in entrance. Yeah. Um, and I thought that uh, you know it took me about three seconds to just get used to seeing. A live action Ahsoka, and then I, you I were just, sold. I adored it. Yeah. I was, I yeah. was sold. I'm like, yeah. let's go. Six seasons of that show. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, and I, I think so. that's what that <laughs> scene does really well. Is it sells the idea that Ahsoka in live action form is totally, totally possible in terms of carrying her own her own series, right? Like, I think, yeah. you know, it was just a bit of a taste, and we knew we were going to get more of her in in the in the episode as it went on. She was like Batman. Yeah. Like, she, like, you know what I mean? Like, using the, the their fear, in a way. Yeah, and, she, and, and I was hiding like, in the so, shadows. And, yeah, uh, and that's so un-Jedi-like, if you think about it, well, right? Well, she's not and a Jedi. The episode, let's, let's, well, we, exactly. We, she's that, not a Jedi, right? right? Like she's, she's, she's somewhere in between. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's what she's known for, and I love that they kind of highlighted that with just how menacing she was right, right? and yeah. terrifying um and and i know they kind of do that a little bit later in the episode but i ah uh, ah uh, so yeah. good <laughs> i freaking adored it i adored <laughs> well, it well we're, we're gonna glaze over this next part really quick but uh you know the razor crest lands on corvus uh dinjarin and the child they venture into the gates through the gates of uh kaladin uh the magistrate wants the help of Mando to find this Jedi and kill her, as as uh, as she so delicately puts, and says that uh, she will give him a basically a staff made of entirely pure Beskar, um, right. and he says, "Okay, sure, 
right? Like we all knew that that's not the case. Like he was there to find her and to bring the child together. So, but he knew that this could be maybe something that he could pocket in a way and it'll probably come up later he ventures out into the woods you know he's he's searching for her and then uh she gets the jump on him pretty quickly and this was another quick like sort of action scene but i really liked in these moments where you kind of saw the ahsoka nate like you you were mentioning how um there's these like looks in characters like how characters yeah. portray and yeah like so that that moment right she, where, the rat, where, he, where the rope goes around her and she like and she looks, looks at, at him and like, she just like, smiles oh you're screwed now and like jumps <laughs> over the tree and that was very like yeah. you know clone wars like ahsoka like yeah. the, the sly sort of you know it was uh, very young ahsoka too right yeah. it was very snips yeah, sort of snips, um, yeah, and i think for right. anyone who who enjoyed clone wars and watched through that series like i think that they that you know i rosario very clearly studied uh, you know, the animated character and even down to some of the lines of dialogue and the way that she uses her voice. I think she, I think she does such an excellent job at sort of uh, still bringing some of the stuff that Ashley Eckstein, who was the voice of Ahsoka Tano, um, I think she, she brings that forward and, and she does such a good job and I love it so much. Cool little Easter egg though in this scene as he was venturing through the forest uh, that connects to Ahsoka and I, I know Nate will, will know this, but the, um, uh, the owl that you see perched in the trees. Uh, Morai. It's a convor, actually, yeah, is the, is, the, is the technical term, yeah. So it was a cool little Easter egg to see that, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, that she's yeah. close by. It has to Ahsoka's be. close yeah. by. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, after this little altercation, Mando says, listen, Bo-Katan sent me here. I need to talk to you. And Ahsoka can see just behind Mando, the child perched on a rock. And, you know, she lowers her lightsabers and she says, well, I hope, you know, we're going to talk about him. And this leads to kind of like a little campfire sort of connection between the child and Ahsoka. And this is where we get all of these, you know, really revelating uh, nuances of of the child's character. Uh, while the child cannot talk and is making, you know, its cute little baby noises, yeah, it's yeah. clear that you know Ahsoka is, is is understanding and and is is you know acknowledging with her eyes and her her body language that she understands what he is saying. And she clarifies and says uh, they're using the the Force telepathically to kind of exchange a dialogue. And in this dialogue that they exchange, we find out that the child's name is Grogu, who was raised in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant before the Clone Wars and was trained yeah. by many Jedi Masters um, on the ways of the Force. He was taken from the Temple and hidden from the Galactic Empire for many years, and his memories during these times are dark and filled with fear. Uh, Ahsoka acknowledges that the only other creature that she knew of this species was Jedi Master Yoda, and they had a nice little nod. I, I'm sure you guys noticed uh, when she mentions Yoda's name, you hear Yoda's theme yeah, the song. Theme. Yoda's uh, theme plays through right yeah. through there yeah. from Empire, uh, which was really nice. But like, okay, let's let's just like chew on that for a second. Like Grogu, uh, Jedi Temple on Coruscant during the Clone Wars. Like, so many people are wondering, you know, this this their Ahsoka's storyline actually lines up with Grogu's. Because they were in at the Jedi Temple in and around that time. That being said, it's pretty crazy that they never came across, which leaves a lot of people wondering a lot of things. So I don't, I don't know, man. Like this is pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's you know all the theories about. I guess there is a still chance that he could be a clone of Yoda, right? Like he could still be a clone of Yoda. 
I, I don't think I don't think he is. Um, I know that. Uh, I think it was in the first season. Uh, Quill had kind of talked about him being a strand cast, and I think that was what started people thinking, "Oh, he's a clone." That's what strand cast means. Um, I, I really don't. Th- I don't think he is a clone. Um, uh, I think. But then why I the secrecy? Seen- like, why the secrecy well, I, and why did no one, like, why would someone like Ahsoka not know? Like, who was protecting him and who took him, right? Like, that, that yeah. we can get into that later, but, like, if you want. But, like, the reality is, is, like, there was obviously a secrecy around him and Anakin didn't get to him. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't think we get to see too much of uh, Ahsoka pre-Padawan to Anakin, right? And so, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe she didn't really, uh, maybe she wasn't brought into the the Jedi Order the same way as all of the other kids, right? Um, and, and there could be something there, right? And I'm sure I'm sure with the right context, we can start to get a little bit more of an explanation of that. But I just want to, like, I just need to hear Kevin for a quick second. Kevin, what do you think of Grogu? Like, <laughs> Grogu, is that is that going to stick? Or is it is it weird to you? What do you think? I don't think I'll ever be calling him Grogu, uh, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Right, uh, you know, it's Baby Yoda, right? So sure, affectionately yeah, yeah. called Baby Yoda, right? Like sure, in, in un, informally or un, uh, informally, yeah. informally. Yeah, the evening passes and it's now the next day, and Ahsoka says, "You know what? I'm I'm going to test Grogu, and see, um, you know, if he can still wield the Force." So she does a little demonstration with the rock and sends it to him, but Grogu cannot send it back. And Ahsoka says, "You know what? Let's get, let's get Dinjarin in here and see if he can, can can actually make a connection." Um, and he does. He does make a connection. He takes his little spherical silver ball from his from his ship, which was in an earlier scene. And Dinjarin is actually able to communicate with Grogu, and he actually is able to move that. And it proves that he can still wield the Force; that the Force is not away from him. But to Ahsoka, Grogu has formed a strong attachment to Dinjarin, making it hard for her to train him, which makes him vulnerable to his fears. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I think that was really cool. I think it, it's, it just highlights how much she went through with Anakin, right? Um, and how she knows like any sort of connection like that can be really dangerous in a in such a powerful force wielder. Um, and I also I also thought that it was interesting because you know we see Grogu not necessarily being stubborn, but um, but yeah, kind of hiding his 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 force powers away, probably because he literally had to do that for an extremely long amount of time. I think you know what's also just telling of this whole situation though too. You know she's she's worried about the the connection that how how deep of a connection and and how you know kind of safety is 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 rooted in their in their relationship between Dinjarin and and Grogu. And you see mm-hmm. it in in episode 7 of uh of season 1 where Cara Dune and and, and Mando are are arm wrestling and he reacts and starts choking mm-hmm. out Cara Dune, right? Cuz he felt like his safety was being challenged. So, um you know, I I think there's there's something interesting in that idea of hinting at dark side uh for this cuz obviously with all Jedi's there's that potential for either side um mm. kev what do you think over the years we've been so in inundated with you know the dark side of the force and the pathway that you know led anakin to to you know where he ended up going and so it, it's very much a cautionary tale i guess and yeah. so right so yeah um i think uh i I've, i found it very interesting like it's it's almost like he's forgotten more than some people will ever know you know about the force uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting to find out that. And he's you know, fifty. Jeez, you'd think he'd have you know 
good memory. But he 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 was well, kind of he kind of did the same thing Luke did, right? Like he, you know, the, in a comparison, he 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 distanced himself from the Force. He 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 sure. cut himself off from the Force, very much like Luke. Or did. what Yoda did, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yep. I also I also wonder though if if him and having that sort of fuzzy memory actually might have something to do with the the Jedi um, that that found him uh, that that took him from the temple. Right. Because she Ahsoka mentions that. I just want to know you guys like, what, do you guys have any theories on who was that Jedi uh, that may have saved him? Um, I know for myself, I would love for it to be Mace Windu. 100 percent. Because I think. Right. How cool would that be? And, and, I, and I think it makes moment. the most sense. I think it makes right? the most sense because because he maybe he heals maybe uh, Grogu. <laughs> I can't want to say Baby Yoda. Maybe Grogu heals Mace Windu. He uses his healing powers maybe for the first time. And then gets knocked out, and that's part of that sort of fuzzy memory, right? Um, and and may sort of just steals him away. Um, I I I think that would well, be a phenomenal way to bring bring Samuel back into the uh, into the mix. One hundred percent, because there's no way there's you know again it's the like through and through rule of you know sometimes you got to see a body in certain cases to really identify that someone sure. is yeah. is gone. It's a movie right? rule. Yeah, it's a yeah. movie rule kind of thing, right? Like to see something, yeah. right? So, you know, again, it's to be assumed he could have died or he could have, you know, limped away, right, uh, Mace Windu. But, I, you know, I think if it is going to be someone like Mace, that means that he was in on knowing who Grogu or the importance of maybe Grogu. Because there is sure. something that uh, that we just, you know, that we're not, we, we don't have all the pieces yet. Do you know what I mean? We don't have all right. the pieces. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to explain. To your point, they're gonna have to explain how Ahsoka didn't know of him, right? Or how he really wasn't widely known around the galaxy, right? Or right? how he was. Think Master Yoda was so. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he was hidden, like if he was being kept a right. secret, right? Like if. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like who knows what's gonna happen on the the second part of this of this journey, uh, that mm-hmm. that we that we'll that we'll get to. Um, after the test. You know, it's pretty clear to Ahsoka that their connection, it's not going to make it good for, for trying to, to teach him. She gives up on that idea, but Din Djarin is is kind of begging <laughs> and saying, like, listen, the magistrate sent me here to kill you. And I didn't kill you, but I can help you solve this situation that you have with her if you promise that you will take Grogu and train him. And so she reluctantly accepts uh, this so now they're gonna well kind of right so yeah. <laughs> so they go they go into they go into a bit of an alliance here and on their way back to um the gates of Caladine, Din Djarin asks who is a magistrate and Ahsoka explains that the magistrate is named Morgan Elsbeth uh, during the Clone Wars her people were massacred she survived and let her anger fuel an industry that built the Imperial Navy uh, Ahsoka explains that Elspeth is has plundered worlds and uh, is destroying them in the process. So this girl's got some some serious imperial chops. She pretty much built an entire imperial navy. It's kind of cool to see like uh, someone like that. Like I I don't know. I, I the last thing I would have anticipated, you know, this this Morgan Elspeth being in charge of is building a an imperial navy. I don't know. Well, I just think it was so cool that we get you know we get an evil empire character that's a woman. You know, I don't think there's too many of those in Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? We've got some good female villains like Asajj Ventress and Aura Singh, um, but I was just so happy to see uh, Morgan Elspeth, um, you know, in in this and 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 see her, see how she was able to kind of um, 
you know, give that really, I think, very stoic performance. Um, granted, I think she was there wasn't she didn't say much, but I think that was part of the character and part scared, of the though. mood, right? Oh yeah, definitely. But she also had this sort of fake smile that she kept putting on, um, that was just sort of like, I can take this on, but you could tell in the back of her head she couldn't. Side note though, um, Morgan Elsbeth is actually played by Diana Lee uh Anasanto, who is the goddaughter of Bruce Lee, which is super cool. Um uh, and it just kind of shows like how phenomenal her her fighting style and capabilities are. And she's also done, I'm sure she's done a lot of work uh, in other films and things like that. But, um, but no, I, I really enjoyed the character um, for, for what she did and what they, what they did with her. Um, So it was, I think she, I think she was a cool villain. Yeah. So they move on to, uh, they move to Kaladin uh, to, to basically liberate it. And this time there's just no holding back. Like Ahsoka literally storms the gates, like jumps that thing, (laughs) destroys everyone. It was so, it was just so nice to see like a very, you know, we've talked about how Mando uh, seems kind of like rough around the edges. Like he literally became a Mandalorian two days before the show started. um, Cause he's just always like fumbling and stuff like that. (laughs) That's what it feels like. It was just, it was just so refreshing to see, you know, Ahsoka in her skill, just leap this gate and just take out everyone. And I love the smirk that she had when she when she when she's looked at that one guard. And it was just like that to me was like snips. That was like snips right there, showing off. She's showing off, right? Like totally let Anakin side. And I love that line, you know, when when he's like um, a Mandalorian and a Jedi, they'll never see that coming. Yeah, uh, right. Because it just highlights how how the Mandalorian and the Jedi are ancient enemies. And here you've got these two people that. You know, it's kind of cool. One of them's not really a Jedi. One of them's not really a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get this sort of, um, you get to see these characters that have come from these pasts, but have adapted in their own way um, and, and become kind of their own thing. And I, I think it's just super cool. I loved seeing Ahsoka hunting. Um, it, it felt like a scene from Alien, like you know the moment where Michael Bane's character and and the other you know robots are kind of going out and and they're they're walking through the streets. It honestly, it, you hear it in the background, like characters getting taken out and things like that. I'm like, this is this is like a horror movie, and it you know it reminded me so much of actually the moment of um. Darth Vader in Rogue One. I felt a lot of sort of similar feelings of sort of fear coming from that moment. I was like, this is. This is so cool how they're highlighting this Jedi character yeah. in such a different way. Well, yeah. So, you know, that's that's inevitably where it leads us to is once she gets over those gates, she she's basically, hunt, you know, hunting down uh, the magistrate's army of, 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 you know, goons, if you will. Um, but what I like just before that is that sort of very Kurosawa sort of showdown where she's from the gates as she walks towards the magistrate and, you know, she throws... Uh, Dinjarin's sigil on the ground. His pauldron. Yeah, his, yeah. his pauldron and, and and basically says, you know, your bounty hunter failed uh, as, as yeah. kind of like a, a, a decoy plan, if you will. Um, but what was cool is there, she, you, know, you know, she says again, you know, who is your master, right? Like she wants to know. So again, leading more information that Ahsoka's after something very, very integral to to what, what she wants to do. And then she goes through a 
bloody murder spree which is great and all those little like moments like like the one moment that was really cool is where she peeks up from behind and her lightsabers are like together and she slowly pulls them apart just there was an episode in clone wars that was very similar to that so yeah. it was cool how they they planted like these visual easter eggs that reference different parts like even the way she moved and she blocked the blasters and you know ran up the walls and stuff like that very very much uh you know the they captured Ahsoka's fighting style really nicely in this like short little window of time. Um, so as Ahsoka is swarmed by these guards and she darts off, the magistrate runs back into her palace, but she orders her guards to kill the prisoners and kill the rest of the people in Calden. So mm. once once she goes in, Mando pops out from the sky <laughs> with his jetpack. <laughs> blasts the guards and saves the yeah. prisoners so uh wing tao wing tao chow uh mm -hmm. who plays governor wing is uh he's the older asian asian gentleman that's living in in Calden. he's actually a, a disney imagineer uh so he's he wow. guest stars in this episode and and uh obviously at the, at the end is when we see him become the, the new magistrate of 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 this town um but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Just to kind of like That's a cool, weird, yeah. weird sort of little. And I like, I like thing. how he kind of, you know, when Mando does save the day, though, there's that moment, split second just before where he starts, you know, he starts running towards the other villagers like cool yeah. like that's dope like he's not he's he he's the leader of that village and he understands that like he probably will die doing this but he's gonna at least give it a shot right. but then mando just comes in blast blast and and you know kind of saves that moment yeah. but but it is cool i love those subtle exchanges between mando and him where he kind of just they kind of just look at each other yeah. and just nod you yeah, know throughout yeah. the episode yeah, yeah. um I, it felt so samurai movie to me yeah. right and and old west and Ah, well, that's so that's what's interesting is this this last little bit of this episode was almost a juxtaposition between the Western and the Samurai because on one side of the gate, you have uh, Mando versus Lang, who Lang is is the I guess marshal, if you will, of the uh, with the magistrate. He's leading his her army, um, and there's a bit of a you know gunslinger showdown outside of the gates, and just on the other side we have Ahsoka uh, and. Uh, the magistrate going at it and a very sort of lightsaber samurai duel right like you have like the the almost japanese garden backdrop you have like that sort of very elegant sort of like uh back and forth ballet of of like a sword uh sword match uh between the two uh which again filoni uh, you know, casting Rosario Dawson and, and, you know, Nate, like you said, her probably doing the research in the character to learn the fighting style. That was really great to see, you know, at one point when she loses her blade, one of her blades, yeah. she goes, you know, the, her traditional uh, blades out sort of style with the ones with the one. Super hand. Cool. So yeah. I thought that was really cool just to kind of harken back to, to that sort of style. But I don't know. Did you guys feel the same way about like that that fight sequence? Like, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed both sides. One one that felt a little bit more intense. The other felt a little bit more subdued, but it still had the like Mando and Lang. It was very just. It was more tension driven, right? Because you know who's gonna win, right? Like I like how Lang was like, "Who's gonna right. win?" Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I think he hears the um, the Beskar staff fall. Right. Yes. Yeah, and then he goes to put his gun down, and whoosh! he realizes. Yeah. yeah and that was yeah. cool. That was just cool how we like right from the hip, you know, shoots him, 
swivels it and puts it back in. It, yeah. was, it was really cool. It felt like a cowboy, cowboy movie. No, I mean, I, I you know, I have to agree. Like, I loved, I loved that, as you said, that juxtaposition, right? That that crossover. I mean, that's the outside the the gates. You know, that's your western high noon showdown that you were talking about in our previous episode, Justin, that you were really looking forward to. Um, and I thought Michael Bain, I wish there was more of him to be honest with you. Cause I actually think he was so good uh, at that, at that role. Um, just playing that kind of, you know, character that just really doesn't have any values. You know what I mean? He doesn't really care about the cause that he's there for. You know what I mean? Like he was ready to dip, uh, you know, in a moment, but um, to also have that sort of seedy smile and then just get shot down immediately. Um, ah, it was so good. And then Mando does that, like that flip with the gun and puts it back in the holster. And I'm like, this could not be more of a Western movie. Uh, yeah, no, you guys said it on the head. Uh, it was a really, it was really well done showing those two sort of influences at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it was, I thought it was a really cool way to do that fight where it was, you know, a lot of it was taking place off screen and you could just hear them going. Right. I thought that was, yeah. uh, I thought that was really cool. And it was so like, it was so the, the, um, it was original trilogy. You know what I mean? It was Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in that super slow, because I think that's what George originally wants, right? Or wanted, right? Was sort of the Jedi to be more samurai-like, right? Like, yes, he loved the Western influence, but I think he did want to sort of, especially in their fighting style. So it was interesting to sort of see that uh, become a little bit more abandoned uh, in in the prequel trilogy where they were doing flips and flying all around and stuff. And part of that has to probably do with, with effects capabilities. But I, I just, I adored it because it was just such a great... Um, Star Wars moment, like very pure Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, Ahsoka gets the upper hand. Uh, you know, Magistrate drops her Beskar staff, and Ahsoka has a saber to her and says, "Tell me who your master is, or where your master is. Yeah, tell me where Grand Admiral Thrawn is." And <sighs> like, I think everyone was just like, <laughs> "Whoa!" Like, out of yeah. all of the characters, like. There's there's been rumbles of like there potentially being a Disney Plus street like show of about him, um, yeah. But what's crazy is that this is probably how this is all going to happen is with an Ahsoka show, right? Like it, potentially yeah. um, seems fairly fairly likely. Uh, how'd you guys how'd you guys feel about this 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 revelation? I hope it means we get to see him. Yeah. You know, do you think we're Kevin? Do you think we'll get to see him this season? Do you guys think we'll get to see him this season? And I doubt it. Yeah, so there's all there's already you know there's a lot going so much bad going on. and everything. And, yeah, yeah. The, but I mean, I mean, maybe maybe he's the end credits stinger, right, or something like that. I think he's. Um, I think if he's if he is in this in like really involved with what's going on with Moff Gideon, then he's Moff Gideon's yeah. boss. I just think it's it was so cool just to you know again it's just crazy to see a character that was deemed legends right uncanonized and such a huge fan favorite character you know in an episode where we're getting a character that you know from the animated series that really started off as sort of I think the fandom really didn't enjoy uh, Snips didn't really enjoy Ahsoka obviously until they grew up you know she grew up a little bit more and they they grew to love her. Um, but it's just cool to see this character come from animation of not, people not really enjoying her character all the way to their froth, you know, f you know, frothing at the mouth to see her in live action. Um, and then in that same episode, 
we get a character that was abandoned by canon, brought into the animated series, is beloved, and there's a, a ton of books about him, and he's he's such a great bad character up there. I would say with Darth Vader up there with Emperor Palpatine uh, as a bad guy, and he uh, could be a and galactic it was just so threat. Cool. He could. He absolutely is, he is like on par with. He's a Thanos level character, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So cool. So just to, to have that all in the same. <laughs> same few moments my mind was melted dude yeah. <laughs> so they, good and this is where it does feel like a bit of a pilot right like for this show yeah you know it, it kind of hinting at other characters right because you know sure. you, you said to see another character we didn't even see him we just heard his name which only for insinuates sure, yeah. the idea that he's alive and he's existing in this in this you know right. universe yeah. right so um that's pretty crazy it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and how they introduce him there is a lot of people hoping that I think he'll he'll make some sort of an appearance at the end of this season, but I think I'm I'm kind of with Kevin. I I don't think that that's gonna happen. I think that there's already so much to kind of get through. Like, you know, there's still a tracking beacon on the Razor Crest. So like, when when right, when there's is still that dark. Go down? There's still dark. Yeah, there's still dark, dark troopers, troopers that we have to deal with. with. Yeah. You know, grief cargo, Boba Fett, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Um, with that thought of you know, he's he is the end game for Ahsoka Tano, so let's let that happen sort of there, but have some influences from him. Again, just sort of all leading up to an amalgamation similar to what we've seen with the MCU. Yeah. Very cool. So after this, uh, you know, they save they save the town of uh, Kaladin and uh you know, Dinjarin goes back to the Razor Crest to get uh to get Grogu and you know, get him ready <laughs> to 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 pass off to Ahsoka. But uh, Ahsoka meets him at the Razor Crest and says, you know, I can't I can't take him. Uh, you know, you are like a father to him. Right. There's a deep connection right. and there's just no way that I'm going to be able to train him. But she does tell him to take him to the seeing stone on the planet of Tython, uh, a place with a strong co- uh, connection to the force. And if you place him on this seeing stone at the top of the mountain, he may use the force and reach out to other Jedis, but she didn't seem overly hopeful because she doesn't think that there's any Jedi left, really. Um, but that becomes the next thing that Mando has to go and do, right? Uh, yeah. Another mission. So probably, I don't know if that's where our, our big season finale is going to happen is at the end. I think so. Like yeah. that's where they end up. Right. So, cause we have what three episodes left now. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be, it could be the case. So we now know what the next part of his mission is. And Kevin loves these episodes where it's, you know, planet to planet thing to do in and out. Come on, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep this thing moving. Um, but yeah, guys, like, you know, that's, that's the episode in a nutshell. Um, you know, what do you guys think overall, though? Give me your, your final thoughts with a rating of five Beskar staffs out of five Beskar staffs. Um, I, I certainly think it was the strongest episode of the season. Um, I thought there was a lot of, you know, rewarding fan service, um, you know, both with, you know, getting to see Ahsoka and then the, the Thrawn sort of tease and everything. Um, and I guess it does set up the next part of their journey. So it succeeded there. I mean, I would give it like 4.2 staffs out of five. Cool. That's that's fair. Nate. I absolutely adored this episode. Um, again, I think every character in it was done really, really well. There were amazing Din Djarin moments. There were amazing Grogu moments. Um, 
and you know we I think we talked to death about how fantastic Rosario Dawson did bringing Ahsoka into live action um yeah it was very much a again a Kurosaka spaghetti western mix right and seeing those two main inspirations of Star Wars um so lovingly on display and so well shot uh I thought was just fantastic um, I'm, I mean, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic when I when I say that this was my favorite episode of the series uh, so far, even more than episode one, even more than the finale of season one. Um, this episode had pretty much everything that I I love about Star Wars, uh, and it opened it opened the narrative it opened the narrative for this series so wide, um, and I can't wait to see what they do with the rest of the show. So uh, I'm going to give it uh, five out of five Beskar staffs. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. uh, I'm gonna come down and give you uh, 4.9 Beskar staffs. Just, just one. <laughs> sure. Okay. It's just no. missing the tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I thought this episode was great. I thought it was a great way to introduce, obviously, a beloved uh, Star Wars character uh, from obviously the the animated series into live action. It, 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 the way she was handled, the way she was introduced, fantastic. Uh, meshing that story while also setting up potentially her own story was very smart uh, because, you know, it, it's not necessarily, you know, easy for Star Wars right now to kind of create new properties. So maybe there is something in this whole streaming episodic material that leads them to to wanting to do more uh, mm-hmm. with with that character. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was it was it was really good. Um, probably the best episode of the season, I think. Uh, I don't know if it was yeah. the best episode of the series, but I would say it's probably mm. the best episode of the season thus far. We still have three episodes to go before we can really make that call. But for me, at least as of now, that is the case. But guys, what is the way with what has you know transpired in this episode, setting some new narratives, you know, m- milestones here? Uh, what what do we expect? What do we what are we hoping for? Um, <laughs> thoughts. Let's discuss, Kevin. I see you're just pondering beyond all reason. Yeah, I have. I honestly have no idea where they're going to go with it. It seems like there's so much left to tackle this season. The the, the last three episodes could be uh, quite jam packed with uh, with uh, content. I'm thinking. So I'm excited. I'm excited. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to wager a guess to save my life. I have no idea, and I kind of like that. Uh, Nate, what is the way? What is your way? What is the way? Well, I think John Favreau directing episode six uh, is going to tell us that, you know, it's, I think that is going to be another um, big episode. Uh, we got Rick Famuyiwa coming in for episode seven, and I think that might be sort of the, the second last episode of the season, kind of maybe having an opportunity to sort of trail off. Um, no, I, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, Justin. I think Tython, if, if we do see Tython this season, it will be in the very last episode. Um, I don't think we're going to get to learn anything more about that specific Jedi. I think we just get to maybe see an attack that happens with Moff Gideon. Um, I think it would be so cool to see those dark troopers in action. Um, I, I almost imagine like a scene similar to episode three in season one, where all the um, the the Mandalorians come to Din Djarin's aid, right? And they all sort of that there's that epic moment of them all flying in and, and taking taking out the the rest of the uh, the bounty hunter guild. Um, I think it would be cool to sort of get a reverse of that. Right, so we get this moment where we get to see all of our main heroes. We got Bo-Katan, we got Grogu hanging out there. We got um, maybe even Ahsoka is there, and uh, and Mando. 
um, and Grief Karga is there, and and then we just get this massive moment where all these dark troopers come flying in. They're part droid, so there we go. We can activate Din Djarin's PTSD. They're probably wearing Beskar because we now know how much Beskar the Imperial you know, have and how much they've taken from Mandalore. Um, I just think it would be so cool to see sort of a reverse moment. Um, and maybe, you know what, again, maybe I, I kind of mentioned in the previous episode, maybe Grief Karga gets taken out. Maybe Bo-Katan gets taken out. Um, I just, I think this is going to be such a cool last few episodes. And to Kevin, to your point, maybe we do get kind of get like a part one, part two uh, situation going on again, uh, where they can continue a narrative through. And, and maybe those will be your favorite episodes because they do that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no man, yeah. I'm I'm super stoked to, to see about all this. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly think it could go one of two ways. Uh, mm. You know, in in the last season, they won. They they won as a team. Uh, I think yeah. that the way they could they're going right now, uh, they the heroes might effectively lose. Right. So yeah, maybe Moff does end up with Grogu, and hundred percent uh, gets away. Um, and that that potentially could be it, which could really be a good cliffhanger for you know season three um but the other side too is you know to nate's point you know we have a big final showdown at tython uh you know and maybe what ends up happening is dark trooper comes in you know grogu sees that dinjarin is getting his ass handed to him by these guys and and he's just he's not going to be able to get out of this so he gets up on that rock and he uses the force and he calls out and (laughs) Our boy Mace Windu comes flying through uh, somehow. No, I'm just uh, you know <laughs> it would be cool, but like maybe <laughs> at some point, like maybe there is that idea that he does use the Force and he calls out and someone comes. Someone comes. Well, can we can we can we can we crunch on that for just a second? Like, guys, who who is the Jedi that that we're going to be calling out to? Do you guys have any idea? I I, I have some names that I want to list. But. Well, yeah, I know. I, I feel like Ezra Bridger is an obvious one. Mace Windu is another right. one. Uh, but it could be a yeah. no name. It could be no one. It could be someone that's just a Jedi, which could also be very interesting because there's no pre-existing backstory. But if you've already given a character like Grogu this 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 very rich connection to the Clone Wars, then it has to be someone that we've either interacted with or heard of or 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 something. Um, I'm almost cu- yeah. I hope it's I'm not Luke curious. Skywalker though. God. No, I, I don't. Imagine I don't want Sebastian it to be Stan comes in and he's like he's like the young Luke. Like. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I get, again, I wouldn't put it past them, right? Because of the fan casting of Rosario, like that was such a a fan thing, right? Where that actually ended yeah, up happening. Yeah, but get away from and, Skywalkers, and, right? Like, right. Yeah. But what if it? You know, what if it could be more? You know, deep cut uh, Filoni stuff. We get Jason Sindula. Um, who yeah, is yeah. Uh, Harris and Dula's and Kanan's son? son yeah. um, you know, what if what if we get him? Uh, and and the cool part about him is he's such a unknown character, and they really haven't done anything with his character. That yeah, they could absolutely introduce him as a new Jedi. But for the fans that are are huge fans of Clone Wars, there's still that nod to that, right? Um, so I think that would be cool. Cal Kestis would be another one that I think would be really intriguing to see from Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, him and Sarah sort of maybe show up, and and Sarah's like, I, re- I read old that at this theory. Point, I read that theory. I don't know. That game was okay. Yeah. I don't think it has enough legs to really kind of like. It's a really? cool story. I, I don't know, man. I I think because I honestly, if they're bringing Thrawn into this, I think I think they have the ability that they could just be pulling stuff from everywhere. Um, and I love that Filoni and Favreau are 
are sort of given this this license to say, you know what, just go and play in Star Wars, right? And they're not cut off from these characters. And I think I think that's such a cool thing, you know, especially harkening back to the concepts of the MCU, right? We love seeing what they how they adapt comic book stuff. We know comic books. We know those characters. And then seeing how they bring them into live action is super cool. So to see, you know, an animated character be brought into live action, to see Thrawn be brought into live action, to see video game characters show up in the Mandalorian or in some of these other series, I just think I think that's fantastic. Sure. I, I, I honestly just think I really that, hope that that's the direction that's a, we go. That's a pretty deep cut, like you said, but I feel like it's still so obscure that it just it might miss the point marker. Whereas I feel like someone like Ahsoka, sure. Thrawn, you know, uh, I mean, Ezra, Mace Windu, Mace Windu. Like, let's just yeah. make it. Let's you, just let's like, just please please be Mace Windu. Please. Well, I think it'd be great to I mean, find a way, finding a way to bring back Samuel L. Jackson. He's very. I willing need to and, just put it out there, yeah. dude. I'm serious. A Boba Fett. Mace Windu mm-hmm. standoff. Well, that's you what killed I'm my father. There's a lot Let's of characters. Go! There's a lot of characters. Oh, there's there's some there's some deep cut characters that could really connect yeah. with Mace Windu. It being relevant that Mace Windu uh, comes back. So yeah. I don't know. Just spitballing ideas here. So, um, but that's it, guys. That is it for. This episode of Watch Club, we hope you enjoyed. And let us know what you thought of the episode. Nate, where, where can they reach us uh, to... to uh... Uh, that's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That email again is wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Yeah, smooth. Um, well, guys, thanks for joining uh, me for this lovely, quick little episode. Hope you guys... Had a good time. Um, But until the next Watch Club, as we say, this this is is the way. way.